Welcome to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast, where non-diet nutrition, weight-inclusive care, and integrative health collide. We're your hosts, Dana Montes and Christina Hoyt, licensed integrative clinical nutritionists and body image coaches. And we believe you deserve to have a joyful relationship with food in your body, even if you have a chronic health condition or symptoms that just won't quit. On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5, with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hey friends, and welcome back to Wholehearted Eating. Dana here today, and on this week's episode with me and Amanda Montalvo, we're digging deep into a clinical approach to stress, hormone health, and mineral imbalances. So Amanda's on the podcast about a year and a half ago, and we talked about how losing weight won't fix your hormones and the impact of fasting on women's health, which of course was a very juicy episode, so that will be linked in the show notes. Highly recommend that you listen to that if you haven't listened already or if you need a refresher because it's been about a year and a half since that episode aired. But today we're going to be diving into what are the biggest contributors or causes to developing mineral imbalances. How can these imbalances contribute to our symptoms or our ability to cope with stress? And then how does this tie in with adrenal fatigue and burnout? You will also learn a lot from Amanda about hair mineral analysis testing, which can provide a big missing piece to your healing journeys puzzle. And another little fun fact plug before we get started here today. So about two months ago at this point, I was interviewed on Amanda's podcast by Amanda, obviously, on how your relationship with food impacts your gut and stress. So these two episodes, as minerals do, work very synergistically together. So if you want to listen to that, I will also link it in the show notes. But for now, let's get started. Okay, well, Amanda, thank you so much again for coming back on the show. As we were just talking about before we started recording, it's been about a year and a half since we last did your interview. And so for anyone who missed that, first of all, please go check out the show notes because the episode will be linked there. But we talked about some like super clickbaity topics in that episode that I know is like a very good foundation for the conversation that we're going to have today. And we had talked about like why weight loss isn't going to fix your hormones and fasting in women's health, stress, the thyroid, and sex hormones. So anyone who hasn't listened to that episode yet, check out the show notes. I will link it there. But welcome back, Amanda. For anyone who hasn't listened to the last episode, could you introduce yourself just a little bit about who you are? Yeah, thanks for having me. I always enjoy our conversation, so I'm happy to be here. Uh, I'm Amanda. I'm a women's health dietitian, and I really focus on helping women understand their mineral status through hair mineral testing and make really empowered nutrition, lifestyle, and supplement choices from there. Uh, I found for myself personally, it's that was just like the missing piece. I feel like I was always looking for outside sources for help with my health, and I didn't fully understand everything, and it just makes it really difficult. Cause most of us we're, we're researching things. We're trying to figure out what's going on, how to help ourselves. And that can get really tiring. So that's my main focus. It's typically hormone health, but I have a lot of thyroid digestive issues, acne, that sort of thing too. Minerals are tied to everything, which I'm sure we'll get into, but that's, that's what I do. Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting that you say, you know, like it can be really stressful, just the whole, like the figuring out piece, right. Of like trying to figure out like, where are my symptoms coming from? Let alone like actually when you do figure it out, putting the protocol into place and all of the steps that go into there. But 
We talk about stress and the nervous system a lot on this podcast and when I was on your show as well. And the whole, the piece alone of trying to figure out what is going on with me and what I should do about it is a massive stress as well, which as we know, can impact your symptoms and your minerals and everything like that. So let's talk about minerals, right? So since the last time you were on the show, you have been focusing a whole lot more, like kind of niching down on minerals and the importance of minerals for hormone health. So you mentioned this a little bit, but like what made you want to hone in on minerals and really go in on that specifically? So I was finding with myself and with others that looking at mineral status was like the last thing that they were doing and myself included. I, I got really into functional nutrition and lab testing and I did lots of hormone tests, like GI map stool tests, that sort of thing. Um, so many different areas that like those to me now, I look at them more as symptoms, right? That's not the root cause of the issue. It's a, it's the byproduct of why your, your body that's been compromising for so long. And when I got to hair testing, I was like, wait, this is kind of like what everyone should be doing first. Um, and it's very food focused. So it makes sense, right? It helps you build like a really solid nutrition foundation and it helps you understand like what stage of stress you're in. So I was finding like for myself, for women I was working with, the hair testing piece gave us a better picture of like one, how burnt out are you really? And how depleted? Uh, because sometimes I think one of the hardest things about the healing journey is understanding your timeline and understanding like how long are things possibly going to take and giving your body the time and space that it needs to heal. It's really hard to do. Um, especially if you've been dealing with health issues for a long time. So that's what I was figuring out. I'm like hair testing. It's very inexpensive. It's easy to do at home. And I was having so much success with just focusing on those foundational little things with people. And they weren't doing these overwhelming protocols. They weren't doing these like crazy gut protocols and stuff like that. And it still resolved the majority of their issues. And so I was like, more people need to know about this, but turns out hair testing is very difficult to interpret. And it's a, it's a, beast of a test, but once you understand it, it's not that hard. It's just not as straightforward as other labs. Like, it's not like, we're not just looking to see if things are high or low, right? We're kind of looking what's, what's out of balance, what could maybe be uh, high, but showing that your body's actually using a lot of that. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. So I, when I figured out like, okay, I know other women can learn how to interpret this and understand it. And then it just gives you just like a, not like more power, but just like puts you in charge of your health journey. And especially if you're working with someone or if you're just seeing like your typical doctor, I feel like it builds that confidence that, you know, like, well, I know I have this going on. So this is probably related to that versus like constantly Googling symptoms. I think symptom chasing is probably one of the worst things that we can do. And I don't, I don't think we've talked about this, but I was like, this would be a good topic to go into a rant with Dana, but this whole toxic culture around symptoms in the wellness, like functional wellness space. I just like, I'm, I don't know what it has hit me this week. I've done a few rants on this and it's just, everyone's obsessed with any one little thing. If you don't feel great every single day, if you spot for one period, if you have low energy in the afternoon for like a few weeks, um, or like something that comes like out of the norm, if you have one painful period, it's the end of the world. And then we think what's wrong. What am I doing wrong? What do I need? What tests do I need to do? What supplement do I need to take? What diet do I need to start? And I'm like, 
we're supposed to have symptoms guys. That's how our body (laughs) communicates with us. They're not a bad thing. If we didn't have them, we'd never know what we needed. So I find that hair testing also helps you get away from chasing those symptoms and chasing perfect labs and gives you a better understanding of like, okay, but what does my body need right now? Yeah. And again, chasing those symptoms and constantly trying to figure out like where they're coming from, even the smallest thing. Like I was just talking with a client earlier today and they were talking about how like, oh, you know, well, sometimes when I eat beans or rice, I get like a little bit of a belly pooch. And I was like, you, so you mean you get a little bit bloated? And they're like, yeah, and that's bad, right? Like, no, there are certain foods that happen to ferment more than others in your body. And then they create a little bit of gas and bloating. That's just kind of the way that they work difference between that and like SIBO bloating obviously right if you eat something and you look like you're you know six seven eight months pregnant then we've got a bigger problem but you know what's really interesting is thinking about this because I have seen this more and more over the past couple of years I definitely think that the global situation of everyone being hyper vigilant of every single symptom that you might possibly have related to COVID had also or has also made us much more aware of just what's going on with our bodies in general, which can be interpreted as a good thing in some, you know, some situations. Like before, some people had zero body awareness whatsoever. And it was like, this is just how I feel all the time. And like, what do you mean? Am I bloated? Or like, what do you mean? You know, being so out of touch with even things like hunger and fullness signals. But on the other end of the spectrum, it's like we are now so hyper vigilant of every single thing that as soon as something feels out of the ordinary or not normal for us, it's like, oh my gosh, I have to do something to fix it, which again can cause like a major stress on the body and can contribute to those symptoms getting worse depending on the type of symptoms that they are. So I'm totally on this rant with you. (laughs) I think it's just the obsession too. And especially like, I think that women now, especially are, they're learning what birth control does to their bodies They're tracking their cycles. They're like, Oh wait, that's a a period on a pill isn't a true period. It's just a pill bleed. Like they're gaining all this knowledge, which I think is so important and a really great thing. But then I just see it kind of backfire when people are like, start to get obsessed over little things that they see. And I'm like, okay, but it's not, we're not supposed to be perfect all the time. And we live in a very, we live in the world where we're very high stress all the time and have very little parasympathetic, like chill time when it should be the other way around. So it's like our bodies are going to have symptoms much more now than they ever have. And it's, it's just like distinguishing between the two, knowing when you need to take a break from tracking things, you know, like step away from your phone, um, and the apps and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I feel like that it definitely, that's probably like one of the biggest things I see now, especially with those, like digging into the mineral stuff. And I'm like, yes, I want you to build that connection with your body, but I also don't want that to become your main like thought all the time. You know, you have to live your life too. Yeah, because micromanaging or attempting to micromanage every little thing that even might be going on with you can lead to burnout, right? Because that's not the, I guarantee anyone who's listening to this podcast, that's not the only thing that you have going on in your life, right? It's not like you're just la-di-da, skimming around and then, oh my gosh, all of a sudden I've got this hair mineral testing and I also have all these health symptoms. It's not like you don't have a job, you don't have a family to take care of, you don't have family stuff, you don't have, you know, all these other things that are going on. So these symptoms don't exist in a vacuum. And if we're trying to micromanage every single piece of our life that could possibly be contributing to these symptoms, that can lead to even more burnout as well. Like, 
I'm sure you've seen there are, you know, books on the market all about women's health that are like, you should effectively micromanage what you're eating, how you're moving, how you're interacting with people, like every single thing that you could possibly do in life based on the stage of your menstrual cycle yes. that you're in. And it's like, oh, if you're in the luteal phase, you should be eating this and you should only be eating these foods and not these. And you should be taking these supplements and you have to sleep this much and you should only be doing this kind of exercise. And while cycle syncing like that and using some of those tools, if you're experiencing symptoms at different parts of your cycle – can be helpful if you take it to like a perfectionist all or nothing extreme it's probably going to cause more issues than the problem that it's going to solve and i mean the whole idea of cycle thinking is that it's supposed to be intuitive you know <laughs> so you lose all that intuition when you're like what is what are the list of foods i should eat i've had people ask me about like eating different foods at different times in your cycle and i'm like i don't do, i don't recommend that i'm not even going there because most of the women i work with i'm just trying to get them to eat enough in general feed themselves consistently and that's a huge way to reduce stress you know it's it's we can't i mean if you have the time to focus on that stuff i think cool but also are you having fun? Are you doing things in your life that you enjoy? Because, and do you have a community, whether that's like online or in person that supports you on this healing journey? Cause it just gets really hard, but the symptom piece always comes up when I talk about minerals, because that's where they're coming that chaos, right? I, I would look at symptoms as more like the body's in chaos and it can't compensate anymore. And now these symptoms pop up. That's typically coming the way that I view it from a more foundational perspective, from those deeper mineral imbalances. And so it doesn't always mean that they're low, could be high. Um, you might not just have other nutrients to use a mineral correctly. And since they act like spark plugs in the body, they're kicking off those reactions, like energy production, for example, like we need copper and magnesium. And so if we don't have those two, then we can't make energy. And then all those other systems in your body that need energy to run are going to slow down. And that's when these symptoms pop up. So it's like, it's easy to want to hyper-focus in on certain ones, but it's like, like the, the spotting one, I just can't get over. I saw a post on it the other day. It was like spotting means you have low progesterone. I'm like, that is not necessarily true for everyone. It could also be an estrogen issue. And that means that it could also be a liver issue, a metabolism issue, a thyroid issue. So it's like, I just like that kind of marketing like kills me. And then it's hard because then, you know, women are like, what are your thoughts on this? I'm like, my thoughts are that it's garbage, but <laughs> like, if I was going to explain it, like, here's why, cause it's like, you just have to go backwards. And so many of us want to focus on those little things when it's like, do you have your foundations in place? You know? But Amanda, that kind of nuance that you're talking about, that would be much better explained in an hour-long podcast episode. I know. <laughs> it's not clickbaity for Instagram. <laughs> I know. But it's really unfortunate because the way when, – when we think about the way that social media is used, and obviously this changes by the platform – if you want to get more eyes on your content, you have to cater the content you're creating to the medium that is most popular on that app, basically, yeah. right? Like for TikTok or Reels or something, you have to have a clickbaity, super like hook in the first like four seconds or that person's going to scroll to the next thing, right? If it's just a feed post, if it's just a picture, most of the popular things are going to be like people taking pictures of themselves or it's going to be like a super short, like very clickbaity, like quote-based thing or an infographic or something where people are like, oh my gosh, I identify with that, right? Like spotting is caused by low progesterone. Oh my gosh, I have spotting. That must be me. Also, disclaimer, 
hope nobody takes like that (laughs) snippet of what I just said, right? But this is why we're on a podcast. But so it's really hard from a practitioner standpoint because we know that nutrition, minerals, whole body health is so much more complicated than just a little snippet of something like that. But that's what the, you know, quote, nutrition experts or even people who are fully credentialed, they know that that is the way that they're going to get people to, you know, their platform and stuff. And to be honest, we all do that sometimes, not with the, you know, specific spotting example, but sometimes you'll put something in a feed post that's like, I know there are going to be more eyes on this, just hoping and praying that people are going to either watch the reel or read the caption. And most people don't. And they're just like, oh my God, how could you say this? And it's like, well, actually, if you read, (laughs) then you would see this is not actually what I'm saying, but haha, I did get your attention. But I know what you mean. It is it is really, really tough and really frustrating because if you're working with a complicated problem, it can't be that simple of a solution, especially, you know, going back to what you said about the timeline and everything and using hair mineral testing or, you know, these other types of tests to see like, well, how long has this been going on for, right? If you've had spotting for 10 years, it's probably not just a low progesterone issue, <laughs> Yeah. Or it's like, if you have it one time, just, it's not worth freaking out over in my opinion, or even like clots, like having clotty periods. I'm like, well, some clots are normal. And then you have to think like, what did you have going on in the last 100 days? Cause that's going to impact your current cycle, but no one wants to think that far back. Um, but if there was like one message I could just get across to women is it's like, it, we don't have to, we don't have to hyper-focus on these things. And it takes so much longer to see change in our bodies, like four to six months. That's what you should really be looking at as your timeline for seeing like significant change. And then if you see things pop up in that time, it's totally normal, especially if you're working on, like I talk about adrenal cocktails all the time, such a simple thing. You're literally just taking in sodium, potassium, whole food, vitamin C, but most people are deficient in those, or they're using a lot of those minerals up very quickly and they need to be replenished. So when they start adding that in and whole food, vitamin C also, it can help us use copper a little bit better in the body and copper does pretty much everything and it's great for your metabolism. So it's like, you make this one change, you're actually absorbing more of the water that you're drinking. Cause you're more hydrated from the minerals. And you might even see like, Oh, my skin like broke out a little bit after I first started doing those. I'm like, very normal, very normal reaction. I know it's not what we want to see. Cause we want to see everything just get better right away. And you know what, for some people, that's the case. And it's beautiful for them. But for a lot, I see people be like, Oh, you know, maybe I don't know if I should be doing this. My skin kind of freaked out, but my period was way better, you know? And it's like, you have to take that long view and zoom out and look at that big picture. But even making those simple changes with things like minerals, it can, it can like bring up a lot in your body and it kind of throws people off. And I'm like, just stay the course. It'll all be worth it. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of going deeper and trying to figure out, you know, for the long game, what's actually going to be helpful for people who aren't familiar with the hair mineral testing, can you go into a little bit more of what that looks like in terms of like, am I just tearing out a clump of hair and giving it to someone, you know, like (laughs) what kinds of things are testing for that stuff? If only we could just trim the ends of our hair, right? That'd be great. Um, so for the hair test sample, you're actually taking it from as close to your scalp as you can get with scissors. So it's not going to be like right up against it, but pretty darn close. And you're sending about a heaping teaspoon of hair. So it's not like a ton of hair, but 
you know, it's, you're cutting off the whole piece. So for some people that can be pretty traumatic, you are cutting that then. So it's only an inch and a half long. So you're not sending like this whole big thing of hair. If you have really long hair, um, and you send that into the lab, I use trace elements cause they, there's only two labs that I really trust in the U S because a lot of them wash your hair samples. And then that will, yeah, they wash the hair samples. It's totally skews the results. Um, but trace elements and analytical research labs do not. So those are the two that I recommend. And basically what they're doing is the hair test is looking at nutrients inside the cell. So blood work, cause people always ask like, can I just do a blood test? Right? So blood work is looking at nutrients outside the cell for the most part. And I think they're both very helpful. They just show you two very different things. Um, but hair testing is nice because it shows you the last three months of time. And it's funny because when I first started talking about hair testing more, I had so many dietitians reach out to me and say like, well, it's the last three months, so it's not accurate. I'm like, ma'am, I would love to see the last three months of my client's life. You also, <laughs> what? Hemoglobin A1C, what are you talking about? But we'll just ignore that lab, right? So, uh, and I get it because we think blood work, we think that moment in time, but it's like, that's for that moment though, right? And that could be skewed by things you're eating. It could be skewed by stress, being dehydrated. With hair testing, it can be skewed by hard water. So if you do have hard water, you want to use a filter or use like distilled water to wash your hair with leading up to taking the test because hard water has calcium. That'll make your calcium look high. And then you'll get your test results and freak out, but it's not really that high. It's just because you have hard water. Um, and yeah, that's like one of the bigger things. And then if you use like medicated shampoo, like for dandruff or something that can mess with selenium. But other than that, it's, I think it gives you a great picture of your unique response to stress and Morley Robbins. He's the creator of the root cause protocol. He does really amazing work and he describes the hair test as like your fingerprint of your stress response. So everyone's, is going to be different. And I think what I like about it the most is that you're seeing how you're currently responding to stress. So we're not, we don't need things to be perfect. You know, we don't need to have every mineral in the absolute perfect range because it's not just the status. It's how your body is responding to stress. So to me, we can see like, are you in stage one of stress? Like that alarm stage where you're actively making cortisol. Maybe it's like the stressor is newer or you in the resistance stage where you've been compensating for a long time. And we're starting to see that potassium go up or are you depleted? And in that like exhaustive stage. And when you understand that one, it's validating for a lot of people for their symptoms or what they thought maybe was going on for them. And then two, it comes back to that journey piece of like, okay, I'm super depleted. So maybe that's why I've been working on this stuff for a really long time. And it's like taking me much longer to see progress than someone else. Yes. I love that. Thank you for the overview. So let's go into more about stress. Like, cause we can pretty much assume that everyone in the world is dealing with various stages of like extreme stress from low level panic attack to just full on burnout at this point <laughs> of where we are in the world. Right. So can you give a general overview of how does stress impact minerals? Yes. So the first mineral that will burn up and use during the stress response is magnesium. And I think that, I mean, I, most people, I feel like have some idea magnesium, a lot of people supplement with it because they know it's important. Uh, it it's very important for stress. 
we use that up first. As that gets depleted, we're then moving on to other minerals. So we also use sodium and potassium in the stress response. And those are the two that you're really looking at to understand like what stage of stress is my body in is really sodium and potassium. So very important. They're, they all kind of work together. What typically happens is you start to get depleted in magnesium and then it starts to go to sodium and then potassium. And what this does is it creates that dysfunction in the body and it's confusion. Your body's like trying to compensate. And then eventually you feel like you can't handle as much stress as you maybe used to. Um, or you might feel like, Oh, I have so much stress. Like I got a lot of people that they're one of their main complaints is stress. I'm like, how is how does that mean? How does that mean complaint? But I do, but I get it because they're like feelings of stress. Like I feel like I'm always stressed. And that's one of the like tell signs that you probably have either a big imbalance or some pretty big deficiencies going on with that magnesium, sodium, and potassium. Oh man. So important. And we talk about on this show pretty frequently about how stress is unprocessed emotions that are stored in the body. Right. But this is a really important, like holistic way of looking at the effects of stress on the body. Right. Because while a lot of the stress that we're experiencing is coming is experiencing is coming from external factors that can obviously be internal things as well. Trying to figure out your symptoms, body image stuff, over-exercising, under-eating, or under-nourishing, not getting enough minerals, right? But then it's kind of a vicious cycle as well because mineral depletion will slow down adrenal function, gut function, thyroid function. And so then it's kind of like, which came first, the stress or the mineral depletion? <laughs> I know. And then it's hard because, you know, we're inheriting a lot of these deficiencies from our parents too. So it's like you know, it's, it's easy for people to be like, I feel like I've been doing all these things, like working really hard on specific minerals and they might take longer to increase. And I'm like, but you might've had, or they'll, or they'll see their hair tests and they're like, but I eat so many of these foods. I'm like, but you could have been so deficient going in that now this is an improvement. And that can be like hard to wrap your brain around sometimes, but yeah, it's, it's like a tricky one with stress. And I would think too, like I had a great conversation with my friend, Teresa, uh, she's like a tapping expert about the limbic loop. So like in our brain, like we start to, our brains become these masters at like worst case scenarios <laughs> and creating that scenario and predicting symptoms. That's kind of the other piece with like not being able to manage stress well because of mineral depletion. And then also having this other side of like obsessing over your health and your symptoms. It just strengthens that worst case scenario in your brain. And then that becomes your pattern, you know, and then people wonder, like they, they might be doing everything they can with nutrition and supplements, but they're not seeing that change. And I'm like, it's probably more of a brain pattern and something that you literally have to rewire in your brain than it is like a lack of you getting enough potassium in your diet. Yeah, we just did an episode recently on that too. And it's so interesting how, you know, we've talked about how your symptoms can be contributing to this. There are internal factors like physiologically outside of the brain, right? I mean, we are talking about the central nervous system, right? And the nervous system response. But even before you get from like the throat up, right? There's so many other things that can be going on. But then also, if we do have these neural pathways where it's just we've been walking down the same one where it's like anxiety, symptoms, anxiety, symptoms, you know, back and forth for a long time. I always talk about how if we want to create a new habit, a new neural pathway, a new way of showing your body how it's possible not to have these symptoms because we're going to be replenishing with all these different things, you have to kind of hack down that 
path through the forest before it's going to be your default of, oh, it's easy to go this way. Because if you're thinking about standing in front of, you know, the woods or something and you're going for a hike, it's going to be easier to take the path that thousands of people that, you know, you've done thousands of times before rather than the one that you've maybe tried to like wade your way through once or twice before, but then it was pretty hard. So you just kind of like turned around and came back. You're going to have to go through the shit of it before you can really make that your not only an easier path to go through, but your default path to go through. And I, one thing I, I you probably see this a lot too, is when women start working on mineral rebalancing and just eating more nutrient dense foods and focusing less on like what they're avoiding, you know, like just really honing in on like, what am I adding in? What nutrients do I want to get enough of eating enough? You know, it's amazing what can happen when we feed ourselves enough. They have more energy to deal with these things. Like they, they, they then realize, oh, it's, it's actually easier for me to change this habit that I've been working on or change my mindset around this thing or deal with this past trauma that I've been putting off or neglecting for a very long time because I just didn't have the mental capacity. And it's because all those things take energy, you know, and if you don't have the energy calorie wise, like food wise, but also nutrient wise, like with minerals, then it's really difficult for your body and your brain to carry that stuff out. And even if you're starting to eat more and you're eating more of the things that are going to help rebalance your minerals and give you more energy and stuff, if because you've been so depleted in your minerals for so long, or you've been taking antibiotics, or you've been dieting for a really long time, basically we're creating the perfect storm of you might not be optimally digesting and absorbing those things. So going back to, you know, what you said before is like, you might have had a lower starting point to begin with of like, let's say your sodium was like kind of bottomed out and you're like, you know, dizzy and having these like vertigo spells all the time and stuff. When you've been working on that for a while, you might start to notice that it's not at an optimal level yet, even if you've been consciously working on it for, let's say, six months. Maybe it's because you started from a really low level, or maybe it's because we don't have enough of the raw materials that we need with our gut bacteria or with your stomach acid or anything to absorb as much that you could from those foods as well. So again, we don't want to be like, oh, well, we have to check every single box and make sure everything is like perfectly healthy and like perfectly perfect with all of our wellness productivity checklist to, in order to get well again. But at the same time, it is really helpful to remember that the answer to these very complex problems is never going to be just one thing unless it's a anaphylactic allergy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I think too, about when I see people making changes and stuff that we have, we don't have a ton of research on how long it takes to replenish every single mineral, but we have a good amount on magnesium, of course, and, uh, the miracle mineral, and <laughs> it can take one to two years for some people, even yeah. at like significant doses of magnesium. And I, that's just, it's such a good reminder, but I see for most women on their healing journeys, whether they have like a hormone issue, a gut issue, usually it's a combination of everything. It that's usually their timeline one to two years until they're like super confident. They know like they're very stable. They feel good the majority of the time and they understand their bodies and how to take care of themselves. And that's not a great timeline for most people. They're like, absolutely not. I will not be doing that. And I'm not going to wait that long, but 
it's like, you're going to do all these other things in the meantime and go back and forth and switch protocols and (laughs) try all these different things. And then you're never going to know what's working. You're going to stress your body out more and you could have just stayed consistent and did less. I see this a lot where I'm like the people that take the least amount of supplements, they they have the, the least complicated like routines. Sometimes I look at people's morning routines and I'm like, I'm tired now. (laughs) <laughs> um, I don't know how you guys do this all. This gives you energy. You I'm exhausted just hearing I, about this. <laughs> it's just, I just feel like I'm, ex- I don't know. I feel like we, I do so much during the day and I think anyone can relate to this. Like whether you're working, taking care of kids, taking care of a family member, whatever it is, you're doing so much during the day that I'm like, do I want to add five more things to my checklist in the morning? You know, and sometimes it's doing things for yourself, but usually that's like a thing, you know, like one or two things. It's not like, oh, I have to do all these things or I'm not going to be in the right headspace for the day. I'm like, that makes me think your nervous system is not very regulated, (laughs) you know? So, but the more simple you can keep it, I find those are the people that really thrive. Yeah. Okay. I do want to talk about magnesium for a second because I think a lot of people who hear that are like, oh, I'm just going to go, you know, to wherever and like pick up and take like one capsule of magnesium a day. So this is not intended to be prescriptive, okay, to anyone who's listening. But can you give a little bit of like a little insight of the, for example, general dietary recommendations for magnesium versus what like a healing, truly nourishing amount if we're trying to rebuild would be? I will, but first I'm going to say you should focus on sodium and potassium. So I see so many people jump to magnesium and then they wonder why they can't increase their sodium and (laughs) potassium levels on their hair tests. And I'm like, well, you focused on magnesium first. So think about it. If your magnesium's great and our bodies need it, but minerals are synergistic. And that means that in antagonistic, so that like, if you have one in excess, it's going to affect the other ones. So I always say do adrenal cocktails first, sodium, potassium, whole food, vitamin C, those can look like whatever your heart desires. I like to do coconut water, some sort of citrus and sea salt. That's my favorite. I'm obsessed with limes lately. I don't know if it's like my stage in pregnancy or what, but I probably eat like three limes a day, like within (laughs) the juice form of my adrenal cocktails. It's like ridiculous. And then I'll have like two oranges on top of it. It's like citrus is crazy. And I'm like, I must need vitamin C and folate because that's what's in them. But I do that and it's refreshing. It's like, it helps give me energy, keeps me hydrated all day, but that could look like anything. And if you want to do a different type of juice or fruit or whatever, it doesn't have to be citrus. If you have like histamine issues, you can't go wrong. You can't mess up an adrenal cocktail. So doing those regularly, I would say like one a day is a great place to start. Some people need more, the more stress you have. And if you're one of those people that's constantly peeing all day long, that means you're probably overhydrating and not getting enough minerals in the more adrenal cocktails are going to help you. And once you've been doing that for, I usually say like at least a month, I would love for people to do this for like a couple of months. Then you can say, okay, I've been supporting my sodium and potassium. So my body is most likely going to utilize this magnesium much better. And I think the RDI is like 440 milligrams for women. Uh, but for most people, depending on like how stressed you are, how I usually go by, like how much you're using up on your hair test and your stress response, then most people need like five times their body weight in in milligrams. So if you're 
like a hundred, I'm just going to say a hundred pounds. No one's a hundred pounds, but <laughs> like, I'm going to say a hundred pounds, like it would be 500 milligrams. It's much higher, but you don't start there. You go very slowly with everything, every mineral. I, I supplements, like everything. I'm like one capsule, start with one capsule and people get so annoyed, but I'm like, you won't have any reaction to it. And then you don't have to like decipher like which supplement or food threw your body off. Cause you'll already know. Oh yeah. I get this all the time with people who come to me from doing, you know, whether it's like a functional medicine practitioner's gut protocol or something, they're like, I just, you know, I started everything at once and I just had such horrible symptoms and it's like, okay, well let's go slowly. And we're not even going to start with one every day. We're going to do one every other day or a half every other day. Cause some of these gut supplements, I mean, while they are very effective, the die off is real. (laughs) <laughs> right? yeah. like the disaster pants is real and if you don't want to be just sitting on the toilet all day which you know here we are talking about poop again but welcome <laughs> to my podcast this is what we do <laughs> then we recommend that you go slow low and slow and then it will build up in the body and it will work to the degree that we need it to work for you yeah so it's but that's I mean magnesium's great but I it's definitely not my first go-to and I remember doing a magnesium series on Instagram but I, I did the adrenal cocktail series first, but it's like, everyone just forgot about it. Once I started talking about magnesium and I'm like, but I'm not, we can't do any of this because you guys aren't doing your adrenal cocktails and you're probably, some people feel terrible when they take magnesium yeah. as well. I don't know if you, I see this quite a bit and it's usually the ones that are very depleted and mm-hmm. there, it also can give you your body like that stress response. Like it's a calming mineral, but say you're depleted and you add it in then your body's like, cool, I can respond to stress now, but you don't have the other minerals to match that. It it can just lead to more chaos. Yeah. Well, plus, I mean, going back to what you said before, the more depleted you are in magnesium, the more likely it's then going to spill over and you become depleted in sodium and potassium. So if we're working our way back from the root cause, we've got to start with the sodium and the potassium before we can really refill our magnesium bucket anyway. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, So we talked a lot about stress and how it contributes to mineral imbalances. What are some of the other major factors that you see contributing to mineral imbalances aside from stress? So I would say everything could be stress, but yeah, (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) Uh, okay. So other, I see other like vitamin A deficiency is huge. Very, very common, especially in people that have done a lot of elimination diets, like especially, you know, they're not eating, dairy. I mean, I think of AIP and I'm like, where do you get your vitamin A? (laughs) We don't get it in that, you know? So if you are not eating a lot of vitamin A rich foods, you are most likely deficient. And then that leads to imbalances in copper and iron and copper. Everyone's like copper toxicity. I'm like, that's a vitamin A deficiency. That's not it's unless you have copper pipes or you're taking some supplements with a bunch of copper, you are most likely not copper toxic it is typically a lack of vitamin A. And since we need vitamin A to use copper properly, it just gets unbound. And so then it can create this chaos. Yes, it can definitely make you not feel great. It can affect your nervous system. It can affect your mental health. Um, Copper can increase estrogen in the body uh, or the pill. I see the pill leading to really high copper in a ton of people. And again, it's the pill depletes vitamin A. So 
it's usually a vitamin A issue, but that is a big one that I see or low copper, you know, cause we need that to make energy and then iron. So we need copper and vitamin A to help us use our iron recycling system. And if you're not having a period every month or on a regular basis, then that can lead to iron accumulation, but also not having adequate copper and iron. And then that, I mean, iron accumulation is just inflammation in the body, right? It just leads to more inflammation. It can lead to higher estrogen levels. Can it typically get stored in your liver and think about all the things our liver does like converting thyroid. It's supporting detoxification, storing glucose to keep your blood sugar stable, converting cholesterol, like so many different things. So those are the big ones that then like stem off and lead to a lot of other issues. Um, and there's digestive markers on the hair test too, that give you insights into like, are you making enough stomach acid? But one of the big ones I see is high calcium, but that's usually stress. Uh, so it's not like a separate one, but that's high calcium leads to difficulty using thyroid hormone. And so you can have perfect thyroid blood work, but you can have all the symptoms and you're like, I feel like it's my thyroid. But when I go to the doctor, they say that it looks normal. If you do a hair test, typically you can see your calcium and potassium and look at your thyroid ratio. And then from there, you can understand, is it a cellular hypothyroidism issue and kind of hone in on it more. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, how's my vitamin D? How's my parathyroid hormone? How's my, yeah. you know, all these other things. And, you know, this, this is something that I think is not talked about enough even among the people who are like let's say symptom chasing right and we're kind of like honing in on magnesium for example or we're honing in on even something like vitamin d right people aren't talking about enough how every single vitamin and mineral acts very synergistically in the body right like one thing you said before is like spark plugs right minerals are the spark plugs for hormones to work but even if we talk about vitamin D, right, you're not going to be absorbing vitamin D optimally if your thyroid's not working well, if your parathyroid's not working well, if you don't have the right balance of calcium, and if you don't take it with vitamin K2, right? Or so vitamin like, A. Yeah, or vitamin A. And it's like, oh, well, just don't, just take vitamin D in the winter, which like, yes, everybody who has mental health stuff going on, seasonal affective disorder, we all need to be taking vitamin D in the winter, or at least, you know, getting out in the sun or something. But it's none of this exists in a vacuum, right? So before anybody here, before you just go like, oh, like I want to look into magnesium or, oh, I just want to look into this or, oh, I just want to look into this. Just remember that these things are always working together and they're just a piece of your larger health puzzle, which is why it is so incredibly important to work with a practitioner. If you have any suspicions about like, oh, maybe these are a piece of my puzzle, right? Maybe you can order hair mineral testing on your own, but then go to someone like Amanda who specializes in it or she has been talking around this the whole time, but I'm going to plug it for her. Get her Master Your Minerals course, right? Which is amazing. And I've only heard great things about it from the people that have gone through it. Um, and I might buy it for myself as well. But here I am just plugging your stuff. It's fine. But just remember that none of this exists in a vacuum. And this stuff is complicated, right? Like there are so many, like in my schooling, I was never taught how to do hair mineral testing, right? So there are so many practitioners out there that in our, you know, standard schooling, even if you're, you know, classically trained as a dietitian or more holistically trained or, you know, whatever it is, you're not really, even if that has, was like skated over in your training, probably... You're, unless you're seeing someone who is a spe- specialist in hair mineral testing analysis, you're not really going to get somebody who knows exactly 
how to interpret it, what to do with that interpretation and everything. So if that's something that you want to look for, make sure you seek out that kind of specialist. Yeah. And I think the hair testing too, it can be interpreted many different ways. Mm-hmm. And I think that people always ask me like, what, what are good resources? I'm like, there's really not one that I love because <laughs> I've taken, I've, my approach has taken so many different things over the past that I think it's been like six years that I've been using the test. I went through and saw like, I've, I've there's like over a thousand that I've ordered. So many, many tests over many years. And I like, there's some great resources out there. I think Morley Robbins is awesome. They don't really go through the hair test. They just more talk about mineral theory, which is very important to understand. And, but it's one of those things where it's like, you could see someone and then you're like, this doesn't sound anything like what she talked about in that podcast episode. (laughs) They put me on 20 supplements. It's like that, that would be a red flag. Okay. We, that's not how we look at it. And it's, you really, you, you want to apply it to your life. Like I have everyone do like a stress journey first. I have that video in the course, which can be a lot to take in mentally. So give yourself some mental space after you do your stress journey journal. If you want, um, just like sit with yourself for a second. A lot of people are like, Oh man, I was not anticipating that. Like writing down all their stressors in their whole life, but it really shows you like, Hey, I've actually been in fight or flight since I was three. So (laughs) maybe all this stuff makes sense. And, and that's like the big takeaway. And a lot of people aren't going to approach it that way. And maybe that works for them. But again, like I want you to be able to use the test. I want you to understand it and have it be a tool for your toolkit. Um, so hair testing is helpful, but even just focusing on basic minerals, like adrenal cocktails and like working your way up and seeing like, where have I taken iron in the past? Do I maybe have some extra inflammation? Have I, have I not eaten foods with vitamin A for a long time? Maybe I'll focus on vitamin A rich foods. Like the, you can't skip the basics. So even if you're like feeling overwhelmed and you're like, I don't even do any of the stuff she's already talking about. Don't do a hair test. Just focus on that first. And then when you're ready, you can do one. I love that. Start with the basics. Um, I was just going to say, to synthesize everything that we've talked about today, is there anything that you want to leave people with? But I think that is the yeah. answer is start with the basics, right? You don't have to go to all of the, you know, fancy testing and everything if we're not eating consistently to start with. You know, like let's start there. Are you over exercising? Are you getting enough sleep? How's your digestion, right? Starting with the basics there. And then once those are down, or if you're having trouble with those, definitely reach out to a practitioner, right? But then once you're feel pretty good about those in terms of that neural pathway, right? Going back to what we were saying before, then we can look into, you know, the more nuanced testing and going into that and everything like that. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for <laughs> Tell having people- me. Oh, thanks. Um, I always love our conversations. I always have so much fun and I love nerding out on this kind of stuff in a very I think easy to digest way for people um there is I I mean we love digging into research as much as the next person but there's nothing that bores me more than listening to a podcast that's like these are the findings of this study and I'm like oh my god I'm just gonna take a nap it's fine Oh my gosh. But so I appreciate you for explaining things the way that you do because a lot of the stuff that you work on is very, very complicated. But I feel like the way that you explain it in on your Instagram, on your like in your courses, just on podcasts and everything, just 
a huge fan of yours. So thank you for existing. <laughs> thank you. No, that's, that's, it doesn't have to be complicated. And I think minerals can come off that way. But when you start to dig into it, you're like, oh, so I just have to like change these foods. Like, you know, it just makes, or like, oh, maybe I am more stressed than I realized. It can be a good wake up call for some people, but it doesn't have to be like scary. It's supposed to be empowering is definitely the goal. Yay. I love that. Okay. Well, so tell everybody where they can find you website, Instagram courses, podcast, all the things. So I'm most active on my Instagram at hormone healing RD. And then I also have a podcast. It's called, are you menstrual? And uh, my website's just hormonehealingrd.com and the course is called Master Your Minerals. If you go to my website or the link in my Instagram bio, you can find it in there. Yay. Thank you again for coming on. Hey friends, it's Dana and thanks for listening to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your family and friends, subscribe so you don't miss an episode and if you can, we would absolutely love it if you left a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps spread the word so more people can find the show and learn how to break out of diet culture, the body image spiral, and find a more peaceful relationship with food in their bodies with wholehearted eating. If you're interested in learning more about how you can work with me or Christina for one-on-one nutrition counseling or checking out our self-paced courses, head over to wholeheartedeating.com and we'll see you again here next week.